Oh, it's the True Podcast David Thorpe special deal today. No Gerard Hector. Yeah, I miss him. He's on the beach somewhere. I don't miss that. I'm gl- I live on the beach, so yeah. I'm glad that he gets to experience that too. Yeah, yeah, I miss him. But um, we're joined by Brittany Brown. Hi, Brittany. She's producing the show in his place. Um, <laughs> Hello, guys. Hey, hey, hey. She's the first person really to be internally involved in the show who actually played basketball in college. It's probably good. Well, for a college <laughs> team, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I played in college. I played every day, yeah. <laughs> um, she also scored a thousand points in high school. Holy I did. crap, that's a lot of points. That happened. And I'll go on record saying I usually don't brag, but I did beat John Starks in a shooting contest. We can get into that at a much later date. Oh, do go Shout on. Out to John. Shout out to John. Yeah. No, he's a great guy. I met him great at like guy. this random NBA event back in like it's probably like 2017, 2018. And he was he was there. I think it was something for the Knicks. You know, he's you know pretty involved and um yeah, he was out, out and about, and I was there with my friends, and they dished me um, to, I guess, go have a great time at the bar. And I sat and I, like, put my hand up and was like, I want to, you know, because they asked me, they were like, did you, did you play before? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, all right, come, come over here, come over here. So I, you know, I just, I just did it. We shot like the best of ten, and I like made all of them. And he was like, all right, I'll see you guys in picture afterwards, after it happened. In a gym? Or in a gym? Where was this? It was like a gym. It was like in a random like warehouse space that the NBA had rented out for some reason. Like Wyclef okay. John was there. It was incredibly random. <laughs> I don't know how I ended up getting there, but my friend, friend of a friend invited us. Anyway, he was there and they had like all these different rooms and they had one of them had a court. Yeah. So that's what happened. One of them when you were shooting free throws or threes or college threes or what? It was like free throw line extended uh, shots, like very like you know mid range KD range type shots. So that's like that's like you know the sweet spot. So uh, at one point, I made like I made like eight in a row, like because he missed a couple, and then afterward, and the crowd went crazy, and my friends went around and recorded, and I was like, (laughs) 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 but he remembers and he'll tell you. So that's I at least have that. (laughs) That's huge. I don't have that. David, did you ever meet any NBA players in shooting drills? My assistants have many times when they come train with me. I don't shoot with them anymore, but mm-hmm. I've had I have some assistants that are very good players themselves or were. And yes, they, they get to be very boastful when they beat these players in the gym. Yeah. So Brittany, I'll tell you years ago, so um David and I were on a we have barely ever played basketball together. But um, you know, he coaches the best players in the world and has knows the game intimately and um, at one point we were like a little work outing thing and we ended up like playing five on five in some like school gym in the middle of Connecticut. And, um, and so we get a little pregame huddle and David's on our team. And I think all of us think like we are about to get some magic. Like he's going to tell us some stuff and we're like, we can't possibly lose this game because we have the only really competent person here is like his brain. Right. And we have a little <laughs> huddle and he's like, guys, my shoulders fucked up, so I can't shoot. Like my hips no good, so I can't move. Like you're gonna have to rebound. Like you're like, like that was our whole pep talk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a really, I'm a really competitive person when games matter, or shit like that. Yeah, that would that would that would pick up game seven million for me, and and one of the worst groups of talent I've ever been on a court with. Really bad. I was not gonna get hurt any worse than I already was. Yeah, that's funny. I don't yeah, remember right. that, but it sounds like me. <laughs> That game also featured my favorite line I've ever heard in basketball, which was um, this guy we used to play with, Royce Webb. He had a very interesting and unusual kind of yeah, funky game, good. and he would do a lot of weird stuff with spin. And like, he he was like had this the hand extended, and he put the ball like straight up towards like the far right bottom corner of the glass backboard. If you can picture this, 
it's not going in. It just, the ball doesn't go up to that yeah. point and then go in, right? And he, But he had so much crazy spin on the ball, and he did this kind of crap all the time, that it just touches the backboard there and takes like a 90-degree turn. It goes like, shoot, like a laser, like into the bucket. And like, like I was trailing that play in transition, and I was like, just kind of like stunned. Like, what the fuck happened here, right? And um, and I kind of turned to this guy who was my boss. Actually, so he's Chris Ramsey. He was um, Jack Ramsey's son. Jack Ramsey, and, um, yeah. and I'm like, did you see the English on the ball? And, uh, and and Chris goes, that wasn't English. That was Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that story. That's good. That was like the best. All right. Okay. We're doing a show at the NBA. God damn it. All right. Um, welcome, Brittany. Chime in anytime you like. Um, all right. David is working on a story about the Lakers and LeBron and their marriage. And there's a little rockiness there. Um, LeBron told Athletic Sam Amick, um, and I quote, y'all know what the fuck should be happening. I don't need to talk, which is kind of a lot of talking, really. Um, they're pretty good now. They, they started 2-10. and 10. Um, They are 17-11 and 11 since then. They've uh, won 7 of the last 12 without Anthony Davis. Um, so how do you kind of read this, David? Like, how, you know, is this a, is, is LeBron right? <laughs> like, is this time to trade those picks and, and try to improve the team and win now? I mean, I always, I always take the most pragmatic approach, which is we're open for business. If, if there is a deal that can both help them win now and also win in the foreseeable future, three, four, five years down the road, I wouldn't be married to, to those picks. Uh, I don't know that that's, those deals are likely. I've been playing with the trade machine this morning. You can't trade LeBron himself until after the season. Uh, you, can, you can't really trade Anthony Davis right now. So they have a lot of minimum guys. You, you basically have to trade Russell Westbrook, who is maybe the leading candidate for six man of the year and has been a positive. And I watched their games. He's been a positive. So I don't, I don't really know what, what to expect other than to trade those, those first round picks. What are you going to get for that as a difference maker? They're playing pretty well. I think LeBron just is generally um, at the best to say nonplussed typically, and sometimes worse than that. And uh, it seemed awkward. I mean, I love, you know, you and I both know Sam very well. I trust his reporting totally. It seemed a weird time for LeBron to be angry, um, especially given how well they're playing without AD. Uh, they just had a bad start, injuries, bad luck. Uh, they couldn't shoot well. They're shooting better now. They're not a great shooting team. But uh, if LeBron shot less threes, they'd be better. He shoots a lot of threes. and doesn't make very many of them. Um, it, the article that we're going to do, I think, this week, it, it won't just be mine. We're all involved in this, trying to figure out a be the best way to figure out what the Lakers are going to do and what they should do. Um, a lot is left to be seen. Let's just see how things go. Whether AD comes, I, I strongly suspect he won't come back until after the All-Star break at best. Based on what I know of what's going on, he hasn't practiced at all. Uh, I don't know that anyone's watched him jumping and shooting. And so you've still got to go, which means he's staying off the stress fracture of his foot. That's going to take some time to recover. So what are you saying to me? You're saying to me maybe by the first week of February, maybe he can start practicing? Because it's going to be a few weeks before I think he starts putting weight on it and jumps well why not wait then another week for after the all-star break now we're into the third week of february if they're still relevant right now they're right there to be a playoff team they're a couple games out of even the sixth spot um if they still are there and then ad comes back and he was i thought the best player in the league when he went down 
you know, how much are you really, if you're Rob Palenka, are you really willing to make a trade uh, without kind of knowing what, what it looks like these next couple of weeks? I don't know. They've got a tough schedule coming up here. They got Denver on the road tonight. Uh, they're in Denver. Uh, if they can find a way to stay 500 in this tough schedule coming up, to me, that's a sign that, that he's not going to really do anything other than some small move somewhere. The fact that he's going to sign DeMarcus Cousins, Henry, that tells me he, he probably needs to trade Damian Jones. Well, no one's trading for Damian Jones, so there's got to be something else in place, and he needs an, a third-string center as a backup, especially considering AD's been out. Uh, so I'm sure he's playing with something. I just have a hard time believing it's going to be something big that helps move the needle much. But we're kind of in two places, though, right? Like, like they are or are not contenders, right? And if they are, then you don't need to worry about the value of those future picks, right? You just you won't get a better chance than LeBron at thirty-eight, right? Your 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 chances will only go down over the next several years of contending, right? So, Kyle, like, are you are you in or are you not in? Well, I right, but it, I don't think they know because of what's going on. Uh, they were not contenders with AD for sure. But Schroeder and Thomas Bryant, who were two of their best three players, were out. So they'd be, they'd, be, they'd be best players three and four, along with Russell maybe with AD back. Yeah. I think that's why I think they're waiting. And then we have to get in the whole discussion of what LeBron means to the franchise financially. Wait, wait, wait. Before you do that, though, like, so, but, but do you see what I'm saying, though? Like, the trade deadline is before all. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right? So without having to know that, yeah. do you want to get to May with your picks or with the players to make, but, you know, Potentially, they have LeBron, Anthony Davis is MVP, healthy Thomas Bryant, healthy Dennis Schroeder, and whoever they can get with those picks, in which case they might, as a franchise, have one last shot at a championship, right? But if they don't make those trades now, I've, I feel pretty sure they're definitely not going to win a championship. So, like, it's a lot to play with, like, just to say, well, see how it goes. Like, you're, you know, this is, this is, this is a big opportunity if Anthony Davis is going to be healthy, right? Well, so what we're saying is this. What are they going to do? Are they going to trade two first-round picks or even just one, which is what I've been suggesting, maybe trade just one. Yeah. Um, and then then not get AD back, and you've just given away a first-round pick, unless the guy you bring in is younger and, and, yeah. and has a three or four years left on his deal, even on a rookie deal now, and you can extend him. Uh, that, that, that wouldn't be so bad. That's why you got to be pragmatic. Uh, and then if AD comes back and you add this other player, even better. Uh, but you don't have to wait but two weeks to see how these next games go. Like I said, if they can go 500 without AD in this next stretch of games, to me, it's more likely that they do something because, hey, this team, even without AD, we might be able to get into the second round of the playoffs. And if, he, if, if we do have AD, even, that they're even better than that. If they lose yeah. all these games, which they could, they could lose five straight. And then it's over. It's a wrap at that point. Uh, I, I, I think anyway. So, but again, I think if I'm Rob Plink, I take every phone call, hear everything out. If something blows you away, uh, great. You and I both don't love trading first round picks like most people don't. Um, it's got to be a hell of a deal. Um, okay. And then there's uh, Sean Devaney at heavy.com talked to unnamed rival GM saying that basically they're preparing for the idea that LeBron might be fed up with all this and demand a trade this summer when he can be traded. Um, it's in the background. This is a quote. If you think you have a chance at him, there are preparations being made just in case. You have to make them like the Boy Scouts used to say, be prepared. 
It will not be an easy thing to do. And there are a lot of factors. There's still a chance the Lakers make a trade this year or that something clicks and they go on a run. You can't count that out. And they'll have a chance to do something that LeBron likes in free agency this summer, something that could change the outlook there. But um, that's kind of, well, that's a, that's an idea to explore that LeBron would be tired of the Lakers and demand a trade. Well, yeah, I guess he could demand. Um, the Lakers don't have to acquiesce necessarily, though typically they do when you get a star demanding. And uh, the idea that he would have a voice in free agency, when has that ever worked out? If you're the, if you're the franchise that wants him, I get why you want him, so do you. On the court and off, it, he's, a, he's the golden goose. But now you have to let him pick his teammates? Well, I mean, he did well with Bosch and Wade, and that was about it in terms of him choosing. I mean, this is his agency represents, I think, three-quarters of the Lakers roster right now. And I don't think the roster is the problem as much as everyone else does. First of all, your hands are tied pretty much once you brought in Russell, which I don't know whose idea that was. I, I know there's been different reporting. I don't know whose idea it was. But with AD and LeBron and, and Russell's contracts, you're pretty – you're not – there's not many options you can bring guys in. So I don't love that idea of, of letting him choose who, who he's going to play with. Um, we're exploring this. This is something we're going to write about yeah. this week. I think we have some pretty – you, you made some really insightful things, uh, comments this morning that I don't want to say until we print it because we're so... Oh, secret. Well, we're just considering everything that you said. You said a lot of smart things this morning. And um, there's a lot to consider because of what he represents off the court. Like this is, this is a business and wins, are, wins matter sometimes, not every time. That guy is, is, is an ATM machine for a franchise. We're talking about millions of dollars not hundreds of thousands, mil many millions, many, many millions that he brings value to the franchise he's with. So I got to believe the, the bus family has a say in this as to saying to Rob, I know LeBron wants to leave, but, and, and then we have some other maybe surprises as to what they should be thinking about that we'll write about this week. And so I don't, we don't typically tease on these podcasts, although Gerard and I have done that before. It's a special day. We're yeah, doing it today. We, we're, yeah. we're on to something I think pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Thank, yeah. Thanks to Sean and his reporting, we're on to something yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, so let me just talk for a second about like if look when LeBron was so grumpy to Sam Amick, um, on the one hand, I think it's just this is just how you play the game if you're LeBron. Agreed. Right. You have to there have been he's been in a tussle with ownership and management about do they want to, you know, what typically happens is LeBron convinces the franchise to spend all of its salary cap space yeah. and draft assets. So it's very bad for the team long-term. And then when it gets to the part when the check comes due, he leaves for another team, right? Smart on his part, but like, that's what they're, this is what the Lakers don't want, right? They don't want him to be retired or off in Cleveland or wherever. And they're left with no picks and no cap space forever, right? That could happen with all these Antoine Jamesons and stuff that you would want you to sign to win now, right? Um, so, um, but, I, and to me, I'm like, of course he's in a hurry. His 38, being 38, everyone's like, oh, he's so old. It's like, this is crazy old, yeah. right? Like, like the okay, I'm just going to do a little, um, I think if you look at the history of the NBA, like basically Kareem was maybe elite at this age. I don't, different time. I don't remember what year that was. I watched the Lakers then. I don't remember what year that was. But so in 85, he won oh, the finals MVP and he was 38. Oh, he was 38. so he was unbelievable but, in that series. Okay. But- 
I mean, that the different game. Right? Yeah. He literally got to stand still for a yeah, whole big bunch yeah, of plays. He jogged right. to the middle of the rim, and then he jogged yeah. to the block for a skyhook. He ran on occasion, but yeah, he didn't have to guard anyone outside three inches. Yeah. And he played with Magic Johnson. Right. 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 Like, and James Worthy. Like, and James Worthy. Michael right? Cooper. Like, he they had a good LeBron team. has a different work. We put a little tracker on LeBron, right? Yeah. He's doing a different He's running around a lot more, there. for sure. A lot more. Um, and jumping and all yeah. that stuff. Um, I think if you look at kind of the modern era of players, well, they're working out and running around 10, I think LeBron's the oldest player ever. To, like LeBron in 2020 was the oldest player ever to be like leading his team in the finals. Yeah. Yeah. So someone wrote, I don't think this is necessarily your point, but it's not wrong. Someone smart wrote that, uh, if you take out his peak, let's say five years, he's had the best non peak career by a huge margin. With this guy, yeah, early, er, yeah, it's a really smart way to look at it. If I don't know when you pick peak, but from before he hit his peak early on in his career, and then since he's been at his peak, with maybe in the Miami years, he's he's been the best of all time and accumulated a lot of miles. And because our game demands it, like he, you probably didn't see this, Henry, but to beat the Kings the other night, late, late, late in the game, the Lakers were in a scramble possession defensively, and LeBron was helping in the paint. And then he had to contest a corner shooter. And my man was flying. The whole team played great defense in that possession. But I remember I remember gasping like, <gasps> like, how did he get to that guy? I mean, you saw peak LeBron speed, which we don't really ever see. Like, he won't move three feet sometimes. If he's guarding a corner shooter and their big has to go help on a pick and roll play, he typically doesn't come over to get his body on the big rolling to the rim. He just doesn't do it. But this was to win the game and go five straight. And we saw that speed. The fact that he had it is incredible. You might have had to do an extra 20 minutes of massage or something afterwards because everyone who yeah. was watching like, whoa, what happened there? Yeah. Um, it's January, right? I mean, we, he, if yeah. they're going to win a championship, he needs to be doing that yeah. in June. Right. Yeah, we got a long way right. to go. Right. So, yeah. It's Anyway, I don't want to detract from your point because I know where you're going with this. Well, the first point is he's incredibly old. Uh Drafted yeah. the same yeah. year as Kendrick Perkins, David West, Dwayne Wade, TJ Ford, Steve Blake, Matt Bonner. You know how retired those guys are? <laughs> like, yeah. he, like, this yeah. is my favorite. As a, he was drafted the same year as Luke Walton, who's already retired from coaching. Right. Like, like, like that's, that's old. That's right. well, old. Well, look at it this way, too. Uh, he was a teenager, of course, when he got drafted. But yeah. there's two rookies from his draft class that are still playing. The other one wasn't in the draft. It was Udonis Haslam, yeah. who was basically coaching. And now. he's not really playing. No, he's yeah. coaching. Yeah, he's great. I love him. You know that. But he ain't playing. Yeah. He, he comes in for a minute here and there. But well, Le- LeBron is helping to carry now one of the hottest teams in the league. He's by far their best player who's playing right now. And we're kind of like, so the idea is that like, you know, he's going to maybe, he maybe could, I believe, he could potentially be the best player on a championship winning team. Six months from now. Yeah. It's possible. I think so. But to LeBron's sense of urgency, like, could he be a year and a half from now or two and a half right. years from now? Like, it just seems he's already in the business of just defying all expectations in history. So, like, I'm not saying I'm betting against it. I'm just saying, like, the bet is pretty crazy. And if you look at the other players, the oldest players in the NBA right now, like, almost none of, I mean, almost everyone his age is out of the league, right? As we've discussed. The ones who are in the league don't carry his kind of a workload, right? Um, Donis Haslam is the oldest player. Andre Godala is just 
dipping his toe back in. Rarely gets on the court. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there's LeBron, uh, Chris Paul, who's been on in and out of uniform, right? PJ Tucker, Taj Gibson, Al Horford. Al Horford is an exception here for sure. Uh, Garrett Temple, George Hill, Goran Dragic, Jeff Green, Kyle Lowry, Rudy Gay, Wes Matthews, James Johnson of the Pacers, uh, Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, um, Boban, Brooke Lopez plays, but the, now we're down to players who are 34 years old. Um, those are the oldest players in the NBA. I just listed yeah. right there. Um, the idea that someone's going to be like a year and a half older, you know, like he will be literally the oldest player in the league once Udonis retires. Well, right? well, you and I always talk about um, you may be you you may have a certain opinion about things and maybe try to do different things, but they aren't necessarily strategies or they're not smart strategies. So what we're talking about here is would it be a good strategy? to build a contender around a man who's now 38 years old. And it's not 38 years old that missed seven seasons. Uh, and so his legs are more like 34. Or there's some guys, um, I remember late in Corey Brewer's career, uh, who was, he was almost every bit as athletic as he ever was. But that, you know, he was 170 pounds, whatever Corey was. LeBron is a, you know, if there were years where we thought he might've been 270. I had an NBA player tell me, I think he's 270 because he had a friend on the team. Let's say, let's say he was 240 most of his year, most of his career. That's, that's heavy for a, that's for a human. So all those, all those miles, you know, he does fall down. I worry every time he, you know, grabs an ankle, grabs a knee. It's amazing that he's been healthy for as much as he has, but it's not a smart strategy. So the team training for him is have to give up a lot for him. And uh, if he's your best player, that just isn't a smart strategy. And I wonder, I mean, just genuinely wonder, I don't project anything, but like, you know, he's good enough to be the best player on the Lakers and lead them to wins against stiff competition. Some nights, right? How many nights, how, you know, this is something he has to wonder about, right? Like how many times can he play with that level of intensity? Is it a number, you know, that if you look at history, the answer is zero more nights, but he's obviously, he's already ahead of history here. Right. But is it 10? Is it a hundred? it's not 500, right? Like it's, you know, but it's some number. And so like when you're betting on his $50 million salary and all the kind of stuff that comes with having LeBron, like you said, three quarters of the team is run by his agency, right? Like it's, you know, um, does he have say over who the coach is? Maybe all that stuff, right? Is for how many winning performances, right? It's a number that gets smaller every day and it gets smaller when AD's out and he has to do the play you just described where he has to move incredibly hard vicious ways right this is hard yeah, he's averaging 30 plus since ad's been out that's a hell of an ask he wasn't their best player ad was and, yeah. and, which is i think what lebron ideally wants and would want in a trade like i want to go somewhere else where i'm not the best player uh but we talked about this exact thing henry last year with harden is uh, this was my big thing is uh as you age you have less great days as a human mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. less as a uh, as a player and what Le- so I always think about this when I see LeBron doing what he's doing now. What toll is that taking later? You know, is he is he going to have more um, human looking nights in February, March, April, and beyond potentially because of what he has to do now as a yeah. player? And it's concern. Uh, he he does a lot of things with his mind. That's going to be fine. He really thinks the game at a high level. But uh, but I'm telling you, there's. He's much more human than, than ever before in his career, without any doubt. There, you would have to go back to probably 
ninth grade or before. Because by 10th grade, he was super bouncy. To see him finish the way he does sometimes below the rim when he used to not finish below the rim. He makes them. He's, he's a genius. I mean, his, his skill is beyond, I mean, it's just beyond anything I've ever witnessed before. And I watched Jordan, you know, I was in high school when he had, when he was winning championships, I'm just called, I'm just two years younger than him. Um, LeBron just doesn't, he, he needs a runway now. I've talked to this before in the show, give him a runway and he's going to have some spectacular dunks, but mostly in the half court, he's bouncing off two feet and playing below the rim and just a miraculous finisher. He's really incredible drawing fouls. Um, yeah. And so every time he has to exp- extend himself a little bit more athletically, maybe, maybe comes at a cost later on. That's like the first, like, you know, ninth graders don't scare me very much. You know well, I, mean? I don't know what he was like, like in ninth grade in 10th grade. <laughs> yeah. Remember, remember going into 10th grade, the famous story of Rick Pitino for the Celtics was at the ABCD camp in Jersey and asked about these, what these, these direct to the NBA players in the ABCD camp. And he said, listen, there's only one dude in that gym that's ready for the NBA. And everyone knows he is, and he's just going to be a sophomore. That's when LeBron blew up. That right there blew LeBron up in a way that, I mean, down in Florida, before the internet, I didn't know who he was until that quote. I just, it was a name on a a piece of paper in Street and Smith or whatever magazine I would see him in. So I got to believe he was pretty damn bouncy. And he went to five-star camp, and I didn't go the week he was there when he was that age and was very, very good. So my guess is he was pretty damn bouncy. Going into 10th yeah. grade. And I saw him by the time as a senior. He was unbelievable. But yeah, he's he's winning with his mind, his, his muscles. Did you see that his commentary against Aaron Gordon the other day? It came out on Twitter, I saw, where I don't know what happened on the play. This So they played Denver. Last time they played Denver was the day, I think it was December 16. That was the day Anthony Davis got hurt and the Lakers still mm-hmm. won. And something happened against him versus Aaron Gordon, who's also a very large, muscular, you know, six foot nine, ten guy. And LeBron's like, that shit may work against some other people. It ain't fucking working against me. Like, I'm strong, too. And it was great. It was kind of him trash-talking in a, in a different way. He does have a – I mean, he does use that power to his advantage. It's not just his brilliant mind, and he's still got good speed and quickness when he needs it. He, think he just can't do it as much and expect that he'll have it later, which is why – I mean, if they had AD with this group the way they're playing, of course, they did before and Darwin didn't play this group together. But, but now that he's seen what he's seen, maybe he would – LeBron was asked, like, what do you think when AD comes back with the way Thomas Bryant as a center is playing? And he, he kind of spotted like, Oh, I thought about it a lot, but not now he's right. LeBron's like, we just got to worry about today. Darvin Hampson, the same thing. I thought about it. Doesn't matter right now. So my guess is he would like some help at small forward Lonnie Walker, who is a clutch client. I believe he's just been okay. I really liked him to start the year as an athlete. He's hurt right now as it is. I don't think he thinks the game great. He hasn't really learned how to play, in my opinion, even though he's in San Antonio. My guess is LeBron sees that too. And you know how, his, how he is about that. He wants you to be professional, dependable, and reliable as a, as a pro, as a human. But on the court, you got to think the game really well. And he, I know sometimes LeBron rolls his eyes like, what are you fucking doing? I know. You can watch a Lakers game, and you'll see him look at players thinking, what are you doing? Like this game is not that hard and you're making it hard. So I would bet he would love to have a small forward come in. I just don't know who that would be for a first round pick or two. Yeah. I had a, uh, he gets disdainful, right? Like oh, I, mean, yeah. I wrote a whole story about this, but like um, a guy who worked with him for a long time was like set claimed that like a hundred percent of the time when LeBron walks after the play, which he does, like, yeah. he, you know, oh, yeah. like it's because he's so steamed at his teammates that he can't 
like function. Yeah. And he, you know, and he wears a mouth guard, they say, uh, so that he doesn't say curse the refs out. All yeah. The time, right. Like yeah. give him a little pause to take the mouth guard out. He's, um, he's hard to get praise from. I've told you some stories off the record about it. Uh, but when he decides that, okay, I can win with this guy. He's, he's much more generous uh, yeah. with his spirit, not just with his passing, with his spirit. It's like, okay, this is, this is a guy I can win with. And he's looking for those guys the way Dennis right. Schroeder has played more recently. I mean, he was sublime uh, two against the Hawks. Of course, it was the Hawks, but still, um, he's been very good. Like when he misses a three, people seem surprised. His announcers seem surprised. So I don't know if he loves he loves Dennis yet, but he's it's coming. Yeah, that's coming. And Pat Bev is yeah. shooting better, and he brings a lot of spirit. AD is like I told Gerard on many bringing ins. Like I have not seen that guy smile in weeks, and now he's on the bench. He's smiling all the time. So it does make you kind of wonder. Maybe he thinks he's going to make it back, and um. And then, hey, with the way we're playing now, add the best player in the league who is because he's right there. Yeah, they've got a fighting chance. All right, let's take a little break. We'll be right back. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, guys, Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book, or maybe show up for a friend? Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapists for my partner and I. And both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. David, there's been a lot more 50-point games this year. Um, why? Oh, I didn't think you'd ask me that. I know you have thoughts, and Kevin Pelham has thoughts. Um, oh, I think it's a couple of things. I think the race for all NBA is very serious. It is a – Drawn and I tried to do it the other day. It is a challenge. I think that's in their heads a little bit. Uh, but I also think, and this may seem ironic, the fact that there's so much more talent out on the court uh, capable, skilled players in almost every position, defenses just have a very tough choice to make. And so some of these 50-point games are made by players who are making very tough shots. And so you're playing math, right? I told you, uh, defense is, is blackjack. You're playing all odds. So the odds that this guy's Donovan Mitchell is going to make that circus shot three, four, five times in a row compared to a wide-open Darius Garland or a wide-open... Jared Allen at the rim, whatever. You got to make choices all the time. Um, and so it's a combination of the incredible skill of these players and also the skill around him and also the 82 games. I'm telling you, Henry, we've talked about this a bunch, I know, uh, off air more than anything. It's just so hard to play 82 games. There's You can only remember so much information about your opponent. 
you and I, I you know, I, I have a career where I help these players try to think better and play better. And you can't overwhelm them with, you know, Nikola Jokic tape because you won't remember anything. So you got to give them three or four key things to remember. And all, and there's so many players that can be weaponized. It's just, you know, if you want to guard Philly and forget about Tyrese Maxey, good luck with that. You can focus on Harden and Embiid if you want to. And then if you want to focus on Maxey too and really nail that scouting report down, George Niang might go five and six from three. And, and Milton and DeAnthony Milton. Like they've got lots, these are lots of good players. And so I think that's a factor in as well uh, that these guys are great, but it's also hard to stop other people too. So a couple of theories to add to the pile. Um, Kevin Pelton examined this for ESPN.com and I'm going to paraphrase him terribly, but point number one is scoring is up generally, which yeah. does increase the odds of 50 point games. Yeah, um, yeah. Two, this is interesting is um, star players are playing more minutes. Um, they were down, um, significantly and, but now it's creeping back up again, obviously not for all, you know, Kawhi's not playing more minutes, but, um, some guys are, some guys are, but Kawhi's also not scoring 50 points. He's not, that's a good point. Um, and then Steve Kerr, uh, was quoted with this interesting point saying that transition defense is at an all time low. He said every single night on league pass, you see five guys standing there. Somebody shoots. Somebody runs along and everybody goes, oh, the guy's laying up down there. We do it. Every team does it. I think the game has gotten really loose and the players are so talented. It's made for a lot of big scoring nights. What do you make of that? Um, well, it's definitely true to some degree. I'm not going to argue with Coach Kerr. Uh, it bothers me when I see guys don't make the effort to get back. You're supposed to have defensive balance. As someone who, when I coach players and I'll tell them, if you if you get the rebound, I want you to run. But if all your four your teammates are already down the court, you need to stay back. Like, you need to have that. It, it, it used to be you see college guys cherry picking all the time and not in the NBA. And then and then it was Kevin Love throwing the long pass to Corey Brewer, who was the fastest dude in the league. But that was two ex- really, really special athletic and physically gifted passing talent in Love and Brewer. Uh, I think guys just sometimes don't make the effort. But I'll tell you another part of transition uh, and, and scoring. Um, I think our NBA referees are the best basketball referees in the world. I, I'm a little down on on how they're doing, generally speaking. They're rewarding stars in a way that I, I'm upset with for the regular season. Plays that the average player uh, can't make. In other words, if you hit an average player, you get away with it. If you do even 50% of that contact to the NBA guy, you tend to get charged a foul. And the I look up the 50-point scores. I bet a lot of them have a lot of free throws in those games. And, uh, yeah. and that, that, that is, I don't think the consistency is there. Uh, and I'm not someone, you never hear me complain about refereeing typically, but I feel for these players who want to play good defense. And if you just, just touch a guy, that's a star, you don't know. They're not always calling the foul. You just have no faith that they're not going to call it, which makes you reticent to even do it in the first place. You'd rather mm-hmm. not just take no chances and not touch them. Then you're almost for mm-hmm. sure not going to get called for a foul. We need to get it to a more, I guarantee you there'll be some coaches talking about this soon. We got to get to a more consistent level of what really is a foul uh, because it's, it's hard. And these stars have an advantage that they didn't always have before. I can add. There's also, I, I do feel like in this year of like everything being so level in the standings, um, you know, there are these teams, you know, the Mavericks certainly hope to be big time contenders this year. Right. Yeah. And they're back in the pack. I think that might be a little bit of like Luca feels the need to like remind everybody 
you know, that he's this exceptional player, right? He's not reminding them by reeling 10, 10 win, reeling off 10 wins in a row. Do another way, yeah. But he, he's got another way. And, like, it's a little bit of, you know, maybe Siakam's feeling that MB a little bit. Um, you know, you don't see Celtics on this list. I'm looking at the list of the, the players who scored the most yeah. in individual games this year. It's, you know, Donovan Mitchell's on a great team, obviously. But, um, yeah, that, you know. that was ridiculous, by the way. That was ridiculous. But I watched the game. That what he was doing was extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was at, I watched I watched a lot of that game and I was like, do you want him driving into two huge dudes at the rim? Like, I mean, he's you know, do you? I guess that's an honest question. Like, do you want that? That's how we scored a lot of those. You points. mean because he might get hurt? Because he might get hurt and because he's got wide open teammates oh, but he, all over but the in place. In that game, like, he was actually he was very unselfish. Yeah. 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 He I mean, in fact, I think I could be wrong. That game went, I think, double overtime, maybe. But in one of the last minutes of regulation or overtime one, he had two huge assists. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he definitely, uh, I mean, he just couldn't miss a shot. It was amazing. He, yeah. I, I mean, as someone who watched Donovan a, a lot, I wasn't that surprised. I've seen him do it in playoff games more than once, right, in the bubble. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, good job there, Utah. Uh, you got your Laurie Markinen, <laughs> Laurie, Laurie Markinen. Good for you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think I do think it's an interesting thing to consider. I also think that our, we we failed. I have to say this: I, I watched the Kobe eighty-one point game because I had a client on the Raptors, and I was screaming at Sam Mitchell to do something different. I, I felt like he almost was was being sadistic, like punishing his team for being bad by letting mm-hmm. Kobe get eighty-one. Because you know, Henry, there's ways to keep guys from scoring. You may allow someone else to score, but you can double early in the possession. You can do a lot of things. And I think coaches are sometimes afraid to pivot. They stick with what they've been doing and they just, they want to execute better. We got to do better. We got to do better. It's what Ime Adoka kept saying in the, in the, as they lost three straight to the Warriors. We're not changing anything. We're going to be better at what we do. Well, that didn't work. And it's not working in the case of some of these guys scoring. Even Donovan's case, he just, you, you would have had to double him right away. And they, they have other cable players. He, he just wasn't missing a shot. He didn't miss anything. Yeah. Um, do you wait? Do you think that's happening though? Like, do you think that like you know teams could stop Luca? Yeah. More effectively. Yeah, I, absolutely. But they might be giving up more points per possession. It's all. It's all. A, mm-hmm. It's all. You know, blackjack. So when Dallas is struggling to shoot, which they have struggled, um, it pays off. But now you give you keep giving these great shooters open shots, and they can start ringing them up for three. I mean, I looked it up uh, recently. Luca's quality of shot is just horrendous yeah and he's still making it so you're they're playing the odds they they'll get beat worse if they if they take away luca and give up these you know, wide open shots the way they would do it uh it's this you're picking your poison this is going back to our original discussion about um the miles that Kareem's putting on like to be a center in this league you're you're out of the paint all the time all mm-hmm. the time uh on both ends actually you're not just running to the block on on offense either there's a lot more to it. It's a, and the way the pace we're playing, I watched the Kings Lakers game that they're, I watched, I watched the Pacers recently there. These teams are flying mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's breathtaking. Even the G league, there's some teams. I watched the capital city go, go the other day and the directors of the G league haven't always caught up to the speed of this game. They kept showing us the highlight of the other team that was scoring. And by the time right. we get back well, to live that, action, the right. capital city's already scored. Yeah, frustrated yeah. me a little. They stopped doing it. They realized, okay, but you should know going in, they're playing fast. So yeah, the speed of the games. Kevin, Kevin's point about 
team scoring more. He's also talking about pace, right? There's just more right. possessions, quicker shots, guys racing more. When I, you know, it always kind of hurts my head a little bit, but you know, the most useless thing in stats is anything that's like a marker for the ball goes in that night, right? Like this is a game where, you know, you shoot the ball well and it goes in sometimes and it goes out sometimes. And like capturing who scored the most means you're capturing a team who has the, like their guy who shoots the most had a good night. Yeah. So they're probably going to win just because they're a team that had a good night now, right? Because you could shooting night, which might tell you nothing about strategy, right? Um, within, you know, we know that like within that, like, would you rather have a guy make 60 points in a game or would you rather have like 10 of those attempts go to somebody else? Yeah. Right. Like it's, you know, your point about, you know, you could load up on Luca and have the Mavericks play better. I think is right. You know, it's possible. Yeah. Right. It's possible. Yeah. So as someone who grew up watching Iverson, right? Like I, my first team I covered was Iverson. And it's like, there's so many nights where it's like, Oh, he, he scored 52, but we lost. And it's like, maybe those things are related. Yeah. You know, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I always like it when a team overcomes bad shooting. Uh, uh, the other night, uh, LA, I think went nine to 13 from three in the first half. And I don't know if they made a three in the second half and they still mm -hmm. scored 136 points and yeah. made a couple of key possessions. They just killed Sabonis in the paint. Sabonis actually fouled out. Le and LeBron, I, I, we should probably have said this, his genius. I don't think players too often are tracking foul trouble anymore. There's just so much going on, and they get six fouls anyway. LeBron does. Like he, when he got Sabonis' fifth, and he, because he's very hard to guard. Sabonis is an unbelievable player, and uh, uh, both Draw and I picked him to be third team all league center. Right mm -hmm. above Bam. Like it's really close between those two. Embiid and Jokic are obviously in the first two. Um, but as soon as he got his fifth foul, uh, uh, LeBron said to his team, that's five. That's five. And as soon as he got his sixth, which was a weird play when he got it, the camera was on the, the whole court. Only one guy was saying, he's at six, he's out. It was LeBron. Like, and they won. He has a crazy brain. Yeah, he just he keeps track of it. You brain. should. You should yeah. keep track of it. You, your coaches should too. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a smart dude, that guy. He's a smart dude. Yeah, smart dude. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to roll through some things here. Um, the Bulls are seven and three in their last 10. What the heck? I don't know. Levine says he's healthy. Remember, this is a team that was six and one against like the best team in the league and yeah. fucking terrible against everybody else. Much to yeah. Travis's, uh, our, our editor's uh, interest. Um, and Pat Williams has, has played a little better on offense. He's, he's been a plus defender uh, this whole season, really. But uh, he, he's, he had one breakout game. Uh, Billy seems like, hey, this is happening for us now. Shots are going in. Other shots from the other team aren't going in as much as they were. You know, they were leading the East before Lonzo went out last year. He's not back. But... Um, to Rosen's playing great still. Yeah. I don't, I don't think much other than they could be a thorn in someone's side. Uh, the Mavs are winless without Luca. Yeah. Whoa, what the heck? Yeah. That says a lot. Like with, with him, yeah. they're good. They're maybe even very good uh, without him toast. Just, you know, LeBron, LeBron is very lucky to have his teammates compared to what Luca's got. I tell you that. I can't tell like what they're looking for in players. They have all these kind of, it's a grab bag roster. I yeah, I mean, they're, they're looking for shooting for sure. That's why they wanted Christian Wood. They wanted some kind of shooting at, at every position. Maxi Kleber's out. That matters. matters. Um, I think they're defending fine. I haven't looked recently. I think they're defending fine. They're, they're in a big trouble when Luka's not there. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie isn't enough for what they do. Um, Kevin Durant um, left the game with a knee injury. Um, can the Nets hold on to a top seed in his absence? Yeah. 
Um, they did they did play some defense late to hold on to that game against Miami. I think. Um, I hope so. They're they're by far. I looked it up like since mid November. They're by far the best team. We talk about no one can really run away. They're they're much better than everyone in these last almost two months now. Uh, it's, but they were just so bad to start that they don't have a you know they think they're a second seed now. Um, but KD is what. Did you see the picture, Henry? Of um, someone tweeted this of the leading scorer in every zone in the half court. Mm-hmm. I've seen these few. Oh, yeah, they, they, so they just did one a couple of days ago, and so uh, at you know you know what I call the second box right that eight mm-hmm. to fifteen feet in the paint. So if you just make that a semicircle, so eight to fifteen feet out all the way to the baselines, it's Kevin Durant in every zone. Oh so God. it's four or five <laughs> zones. So I tweeted yeah. this out. That's a guy that knows exactly what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I actually sent that picture to some players that I'm that I'm friendly with about what is your mission? That that's his mission. What's yours? Because he knows exactly what he wants to do and the counters mm-hmm. to it. And so without that, I mean their offense is going to struggle for sure. Maybe Ben Simmons gets discovers. You know, I don't. I haven't looked the last couple of games, but I know hearing other podcasts, he had not shot a free throw in a in a in a while. They mm-hmm. they you know the phrase is in a minute. No, it's been more than a minute. Yeah, it's been a, it's been some minutes since he's mm-hmm. taken even a free throw. He needs to get over that. Uh, otherwise, we're in a lot of trouble come postseason too. For, well, they are anyway. So yeah, I, I don't know that they. There's enough good teams in the East where it's hard to imagine they can. You know, they maybe stay in the top five or top six. But uh, you know, right now the sixth seed I think is Indiana, and they're good. And that's my point. These other teams are good too. Bam Adebayo is really coming from Miami. I think the Nets are going to probably lose. My guess is they'll lose some ground now if he's if he's out for a bit. Which I someone wrote showed it looked like his injury was what he's had twice before, and he missed something about three weeks in both cases before. Yeah, but he's older every time, yeah, right? Sure. Like it's not good. Um, by the way, as it's just a passing thought, this has not been the way this season's gone is a little crazy for Steve Nash, coach, right? Like, yeah, I mean, not that it's his fault, but wow, they fired him and. The team is rolling. Became really, really good. Yeah, yeah. When the, the Premier League does this all the time in fo- in English football, yeah. Uh, the new guy comes in; it's a fresh voice, different strategies. We, we've Gerard and I've talked a lot about this. You know, he's Jacques has h- held people accountable, and maybe in a way Nash didn't. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, two years ago they had the number one offense of all time. Like he didn't forget that, and maybe he learned from it. He wouldn't be the first to get better as a coach, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe say, you know, I got to hold guys to standards. But he's not alone in that that failure of holding guys accountable. Uh, I hope that he says, you know, next time if I do this again, he doesn't have to work, I'm sure. But if he chooses to, I'm just going to coach harder and not worry about pissing guys off. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the approach he takes. Clippers have lost six straight. Is something wrong there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that I've been saying for two years, as you know, Terrence Mann should be the starting point guard. Mm-hmm. Well, he, they just made him that. They haven't won. But I think they feel like, okay, this is going to work. We, this is what we need from him. I, I think they have too many players. He plays three-guard lineups all the time. Um, they probably need him. I've said this for two weeks now. They need to make some trades. They need to thin the depth out a little bit. There's a, it's hard to get a rhythm when you're, when you're not playing as much as you want to or think you should be. Um, they can change their look a little bit. And uh, maybe have less depth, but but better fit players for what they want to do. They have, just have a lot of guards. You know, Norman Powell is one of many that they have. Reggie Jackson, yeah. 
So those are your candidates to trade? Norman I think they'll trade one of them, Reggie or Norman. Yeah. yeah. Or even Mann, yeah. but right now Mann's starting. Luke Kennard as a shooter. Like, just have a lot of guys. Um, they do have a lot of guys. Yeah, and they could have had Shea, but uh, they wouldn't have had Paul George to go along with Kawhi. But they could have had Shea. Well, Kawhi could've. probably wouldn't come without Paul George, too. That was the story, right? Yeah. That's what he said. That's what he said, yeah. I believe um, Okay. Um, you are pretty excited about the Pacers' potential to ruin another team's postseason. Yeah. I just was watching them yesterday. Um, you know uh, you know me. It starts with coaching. Uh, Rick's been around as much as anyone and uh, seems to be so happy coaching this team. Uh, that was not the case a year ago. The, the rumors that I've been hearing, I don't know if I've ever said this publicly, um, we were hearing as of this summer that uh, he was going to move up to the front office. Whether or not he was right. taking someone's job, I have no idea. But he wouldn't be the first coach to, to take a senior position. Um, he, that ain't happening. That's it up a little bit. No, I mean, you got Ben Mathurin, and Andrew Nemhardt as rookies. Tyrese Halliburton's 22. And I think right there for all NBA. Miles Turner, they can't sign him to an extension. But if you, so my, my, anyway, my point is, Rick seems happy. He says he's happy in his press conferences. They've got a shot-blocking three-point shooting center in Miles Turner playing for a contract. They have uh, an all-NBA guard in Tyrese Halliburton, who is a charismatic, uh, uh, clutch, late-game player who is now a shot maker and leading the league in assists. Buddy Hill, I think, leads the league in three-pointers taken and made and can get cooking uh, and, and shoots it all the time. That is not a fun thing. He gets on one of his roles. He's like Jordan Clarkson that way and maybe better. I'm not sure he's better. Jordan's really good too, but he might be certainly as a shooter. Um, then you got Aaron Nesmith has suddenly become a solid NBA player. He's always been a plus defender, sucking terrible on offense. He doesn't suck on offense anymore. He's good and makes winning plays. And O'Shea Brissett as an energy guy, big six nine, athletic, uh, athletic as hell in energy moments. Like when you need someone to fly around, he does it. So does Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky coming off the bench. Uh, he's been out of the rotation a little bit. When he comes in, he changes things. Then you got the rookies. And, and so Nemhard and Nesmith can really guard. And, and they've, they're guarding. And Rick Carlisle has done this all season. They're guarding the all-stars, even at the big positions. Uh, uh, Nemhard guards Jason Tatum and Giannis mm-hmm. and LeBron. Uh, Nesmith can do the same thing. So they can guard down and they can guard up to bigger positions. And Matherin is the, is the X factor off the bench. He, these guys are young, not children, but they're young. So you think they're trend up a little bit more. Um, yeah, I don't think they can win a championship, but I could see them. I could see them doing New Orleans did last year to, Nor- to Phoenix, who had won 67 games or whatever they won, 64 games. I could see them. You're in game six, up three, two, but in Indiana, you're not guaranteed to win that game. You may have to go back to yeah. win game seven. Yeah, they've kind of constructed to really cause some problems. Um, okay, so there's a Austin Rivers quote um, that kind of pissed you off. <laughs> um, he, he used to play for the Rockets, and now he says, somebody needs to teach KPJ, Ken Porter Jr., and Jalen, as in Jalen Green, how to play the right way. They need those vets, as in veterans, mm-hmm. to which you say... What, what are coaches supposed to be doing? And do players have to coach also, which they do? Um, 
at some point, I, I referenced this last week, like you and I, I need your help. We may write something really big on, on, on what the state of coaching in the NBA is today. This, this I, just because Austin Rivers says that doesn't mean he's right. Uh, but I, I think that in many cases he is. I, I don't think we're teaching our players well enough. I know we're not doing it before they get to the NBA. That's a fact. And I don't think we're doing it well enough in the NBA. And you know why I think that. Um, there's too many players who just don't know what's going on. And to have to rely on his, their teammates when they have these enormous staffs, <laughs> what is going on? They don't and need- He's the son of a coach. Right, right. Yeah, he knows the game. I get yeah. that. Well, no, but he, like, he, 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 if coaches right, were right, right, right. positioned, this guy would know it, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, he shouldn't have. I remember, I remember when Kevin Martin was a young player, he publicly credited Brad Miller for helping him understand cutting and timing and everything. I did not take offense to that. I was helping him too. But you can be, I can, I can be a football guy and help a receiver or a quarterback on how to run the routes better. You kind of need them to figure it out together for the timing of these things. Well, Adam's offense in year two was very exquisite. It was called the corners offense. It was Petey Carrill's old offense at Princeton. There, that timing was super valuable. I, I, I may have said to Kevin, don't cut hard until Brad sees you. That's something I've been saying forever as a coach. But he still needs to work with Brad Miller on the timing of that. There's nothing wrong with that. That is not what Austin Rivers is saying. Right. That, that is, I hear LeBron talking about in his post game, but certain guys that know how to play. That's what he's referring to, who they get the ball and they don't immediately pass it because that's a turnover. They know when to fake pass or just hold on to it. Uh, there was a play against Miami where Thomas Bryant gets, gets the ball and an offensive rebound uh, because they don't throw it to him when Tyler Hero's on him. So this is what you do as a big. If they don't throw it to you in the mismatch, go get it off the glass. So he gets it. He keeps it high. All right. But his elbow is at Tyler's head. And I'm watching thinking, oh, Jesus, Tyler's going to get his nose broken. But Thomas doesn't swing. He just holds it just for a second. And then he just goes and lays it up over Tyler with no chance. That's knowing how to play. The young player bashes Tyler in the face or the head, gets the offensive foul, the flagrant foul. But that kind of stuff happens all over the place. My point is you don't just need players to teach these guys. That's what coaching is. I, I actually said, I know Thomas, I said to him, whoever taught you, I wasn't me, taught you well, because that is something you learn somewhere. You have to teach big men. Otherwise, you'd have, you would never practice, Henry. If your big guys just turned and scored, you would lose all your other players in high school and college to head injuries. So you have to coach them up, like stop swinging your elbows. Even though, if it's, even though it seems normal for you, it's a, it's a foul and it could hurt someone. So he's been coached well. He didn't learn it from a veteran. Anthony Davis didn't teach him that, all right? He's in his sixth year. That I, I think our coaches need to recognize just rebounding and passing before and at halftime of games isn't enough. And just watching film isn't enough. You have to sit down and teach and work with these players over and over. They make every mistake in the book. I tell every player, you're going to make every mistake many times. I give them the example the other day. I told the player, do you see LeBron James's last turnover, whatever it was? He's LeBron James. Chris Paul has done bonehead fourth quarter mistakes in his mid-30s. You just don't make him as often once you've been coached, right? You, make, you typically make the right play. Young players tend not to. We got to coach those guys up. Amen. 
Um, okay. Sorry about Thanks. that. Sorry That's about been... that rant. <laughs> I love a good little rant, a little David Thorpe rant. Um, Brittany, is your first time here. Uh, how do we do? You guys did great. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I enjoyed we that. scored I enjoyed a thousand points. Gerard would not. Gerard would not have said that. No. He oh, would. Have, he would have had something spicy. He would have been loving yeah. and spicy. <laughs> he at one point kind of yelled at me for something, and I was like, "Gerard, I feel like I know how your mom talks." And he's like, "That's exactly oh. how my mom talks." Oh, that's, funny. <laughs> that's funny. I love that. I love that. Nice. Okay. Well, we're teasing our article later in the week. Uh, David and I are working together on the Lakers, and uh, Brittany will be back with us on Thursday. That's right. Awesome. Yeah.